Lord Jesus. Thank you again for this day. Thank you because we can see and feel the fragrance of your presence. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to stand and share your word this day. Lord, we ask for an open heaven and for deep understanding of your mind concerning the message of the day. Expose unto us, O Lord, the mystery of the authors. At the starting point for every revival, Lord, use me as a vessel to pass this great message unto this great congregation that you love so much. Grant everyone here, O Lord, the power and grace to capture your will, your divine will from this message. That from this day, the fire of revival will lit in our midst. Thank you, our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I greet all of you in the name of the Lord. And I thank God for this uh, great assembly. And I'm excited because the presence of God is in this place. Even from the messages we have had today, which more or less summarize my message, because God is calling us to rebuild our altars, to come back to Him. Because we go in His name, but we are not showing it the way the Lord Himself would want us to go. And so I thank the leadership of the church. Our priests and our venerable who has gone to cathedral now for giving us the opportunity to share. It's an uncommon, it's not an uncommon thing. <laughs> but here we have such liberality and openness. For any, any one of us as a brother to mount this podium. We give God thanks for that in the name of Jesus Christ. The topic for today is one of the series of topics we have been preaching since the year based on the theme that we have there. Oh Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. And the topic today is rebuilding the broken altars. For revival fire. And we have already read the text from the book of First King chapter 18. The reading was good and clear. And that is exactly what we are looking at today. First King 18.30 said, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken. The altar was broken. Many of us, and many of our homes, and villages, the altar of God has been broken. And Elijah repaired the altar. And in verse 32 he said, And with these stones he built an altar. He built, he repaired, and then built. Unto the name of the Lord. 
He repaired the broken altar. <laughs> Brethren, by the time we finish this message, you must go home to look at your altar, whether it's broken. If it's broken, repair it. In fact, that is the call of God. If the one in your village is broken, repair it, rebuild it. And as soon as you do that, something will begin to happen. As it happened after Elijah repaired and rebuilt the altar. Verse 38 said, after Elijah has finished rebuilding and repairing, <laughs> then the fire of the Lord fell. As soon as you repair the altar, the fire will fall. I'll give you a number of examples, both from scripture and from experience of the power of the altar. And that is why I think God is calling this morning so viciously that we shall come back to Him. Coming back to God doesn't mean you leave your house and start going to heaven. No. Repair the altar of God. Connect again. That is what God said. And before um, we shall come back to this text, but let us know certain things about altar. And there are five questions we shall answer as we run through this message quickly, within 40 minutes. What are altars? How can altar be broken? How do we repair or rebuild a broken altar? And what are the types of altars we have? And the next question is, what happens when the altar is broken? And what happens when the broken altar is repaired? These are the questions we will have an answer as we run through this. Now, I start by defining altar. Altar, altars are meeting points between man and the spirit. A place of exchange. A place of communication. A place of influence. Where God responds actively to man. So if you don't have an altar in your house, God is not responding to you actively. Where people pray, where people worship, where people praise, and where people honor God with sacrifices or praises or thanksgiving and offering and tithes, that is an altar. Setting up, of, setting up an altar unto God shows that you realize that you are of God. You are on earth because God put you there. It's an honor to God. That our life is for God and that God is for our life and that the meaning of our life is God. That is what an altar means. If you set up an altar, you are recognizing God in a special way. You are putting God number one in your life. If you have an altar unto God. If you don't have, you are just living like uh, any other being. Any other creature. You know, only man has the image of God. And so God has a special interest in man. And therefore demands that man must recognize that God has him special. And that is why you must set up an altar unto God. Remember in the Bible, in Colossians 1.16, that God said, For by Him, by Christ, were all things created. 
And all things were created by him and for him. So, you are created for by Christ and for Christ and for God. Therefore, you must have an altar where you now communicate with him. There are two types of altar, however. This altar is between man and Satan, spirit of Satan. So these are the two altars operating. One is unto God, the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. You communicate with God. The other one is with Satan. You set it up for Satan and you communicate with demons. And demons control your affair. These two altars are there. They're all over our villages, our towns, and our homes. In such other altar, it's set for idols, it's set for gods, it's set for deities. And they are called shrines, covens, grooves, bad forests, Ajofia. These are the, the other altar. And all of them are there. And it's for you to choose one. <laughs> but one thing, <laughs> one thing is, is even extraordinary in it. If you don't have an altar unto God, this other altar will take you over straight away. So the only way to be away from this other altar that is for Ajofia and deities is for you to have an altar of God. What they look and you don't have, they take you over. So it's dangerous not to operate with an altar of God. So every Christian, non-Christian, Believer, non-believer, you are operating in one form of altar or another, knowingly or knowingly. But today, by the grace of God, after this teaching, you will understand and you will react and you will do something. Maybe you do not know before, but if you listen today, you will know something. And you will do something. Because most people believe that, of course, the Bible says so, that when you become born again, all things are passed away, all things have become new. It is true. <laughs> but remember also that the Bible says when the foundation is bad, what can the righteous do? When the foundation is not there, when you have no altar, how can you get the help? Yes, you are born again. You are. You are staying on a platform, but the ground, somebody owns it. If you step down, it, that thing will challenge you. Because you are born again. No? So, altar is the foundation of a man. It's only that the man's life depends and oppresses. It's a man's control tower, the fulcrum of a man's foundation is the altar of God. You will see some of the examples. And no wonder the Bible said, like I said earlier, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can born again do? What can priests do? If your foundation is controlled by Satan, there is nothing anybody can do. Full stop. An altar can be repaired. A damaged altar can be rebuilded. An altar is regarded as damaged. I'm giving you this information so that you understand. It's regarded as damaged. If I be an issue, there is no altar. The people were not going to church at Benicio. 
they were not born again. Their father worshipped an idol. And so in that family, you just grew up and you joined Christian, you joined charismatic, you joined uh, uh, SU, you joined this. <laughs> but there is a foundation. That foundation, what can your born again do? That is the problem. And if an altar is also damaged, if you were a Christian and suddenly you backslide, the altar is damaged. You change title worship, you change the Islamic faith, you began to consult occults and herbalists, <laughs> then you, you enter secret courts. Many Christians are in secret court. It's not a secret. They come to church, but they are in secret court. There is no altar. The altar has been damaged by that action. Some of the men, they are Christians. They go after other women. <laughs> the Bible banned it and said, only your wife. You have destroyed the altar in your house. There is no altar in short. Some of them drink. They smoke. Smoke cannot keep an altar. Neither can alcohol do. <laughs> that's why that's why the angel of the Lord that appeared to Mary. No, uh, uh, the Elizabeth and said, the child you will bear should not take out any strong drink. Because it's a Nazarene, it's dedicated to God. So these things, the habits we have, most of it destroy the altar in the house. And so you have no altar. And there is nothing anybody can do. But you can repair the altar by coming back to God. That was one of the prophecies that struck me this morning. Like the prodigal son, I will go back to my father. You just repent, you stop those bad habits, and go back to your house and repair your altar. And a new glory will spring forth. To follow God is not, is not joke joke. It's a serious business. It's a serious matter. It requires commitment. It requires dedication. Let me also tell you that every altar is controlled by spirit. Spirit of Satan or spirit of devil. Demons. That is either Holy Ghost or demons. And every altar requires blood. For a sacrifice. <laughs> I will tell you this. But lucky enough for us. Jesus shed that, that blood. We don't need to get any other blood. We just invoke. When you are setting an altar unto God. You invoke that blood. And set your altar. So you can set your own altar in your house. By your mouth. With your mouth. Here I set an altar unto God in my house, and I do it in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You can put an anointing oil there, and that becomes an altar. The Christian one is easier, faster, and better. By faith, you have put up an altar. So I have already taught you how to put an altar in your house when you get home. It doesn't require any other protocol. But before you do it, the day you will do it, you will fast. You, you read Bible. You prepare yourself. Don't just do it carelessly. Then you have done it. That blood of Jesus will be speaking there. And that is your altar. Anytime you want to pray, you, you pray in that altar, you have connected heaven straight away. And that is easy. Because Jesus simplified the whole thing for the Christians. But for the altar of this demon, they require actual blood. 
Either you bring chicken and cut off the neck and put the blood, or goat, or sheep. <laughs> but their most powerful altar requires human blood. <laughs> so that's why they are looking for the blood of virgins, the blood of the blood of good people they are looking for. <laughs> they are not looking for blood of an armed robber. They, they want the blood of a virgin, the blood of a pure somebody. And that is what they need in their own altar, so that their demon will be violently working. And that is why killing will not stop, even in Nigeria. Because they purposely make this killing to happen so that they collect blood for their altar. That is why Christians don't need to kill. Because the blood of Jesus has been shed. You just call it and your altar is working. And your altar is more powerful, more efficacious, but only that we are lazy. We have not taken this matter serious. Now, there is a third kind of altar, which is rather a system, not necessarily an altar. That one is called stronghold. Stronghold. And stronghold are centers of resistance, which block access to the gospel. That is stronghold. They make sure you don't know you don't have the gospel, you don't hear about Jesus, and they block you. They do everything to make sure the gospel does not get to you. My brothers and sisters, anything that will stop gospel from coming to you, fight it. Is it your habit? Is it your friends? Is it your relations? Fight it. It's a stronghold. Strongholds are a system of mind which resists the truth. <laughs> you know, the truth is Christ. <laughs> Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is truth and is also life. If you don't have Jesus, your life is useless. And you don't know the truth and you are not walking in truth. Because Jesus is the life, is the truth. These strongholds, they block your access to Jesus. They also hold on lies. They believe in lies. They make stubborn arguments. And they use philosophies to confuse you. So that you don't have access to Christ, to knowledge of the Lord. They are controlled by evil spirits. They resist God's plan for you. And God's purpose for you. They resist it. They make sure your destiny is thwarted. is ruined or vandalized. Examples of this uh, stronghold include traditions. False religion. Grey message, Church of Satan, Secret Court, Jehovah Witness, White Garment Church, the religion of the bond woman, also known as the Queen of Heaven. These are philosophies and ideologies that block your knowledge of Christ. So that you don't know Christ. As soon as you don't know Christ, you have lost your life, you have lost your way, and you have lost the truth. So, you are just existing. Like an existential object. Remember what the Bible said. And of course, let me also conclude this stronghold issue by telling you, you can read it up in Genesis chapter 10. That is where stronghold started. You know, stronghold started in that place after the flood. Only Noah and his children were saved. And one of the sons of Noah, Ham by name, 
gave birth to a man called Cush. And Cush gave birth to a man called Nimrod. And Nimrod began to build Babel. Which they could not complete. And there he developed Babylon. The cradle of false religion. That is Babylon. Adulterous city. Ruled by principalities and powers. That is Babylon. It was the son of Cush. Which was the son of Noah. Ham. That built it. And that is where stronghold. So this city of Babylon developed to overrun everything God plans. Whatever God, whatever is the program of God, they make sure they are against it. And that is, they are, is ruled by principalities and power. And look at what God said. The Bible said in Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, these strongholds I'm talking about, to pull it down, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts his head against the knowledge of God. Anything that stops access to the gospel, to Jesus Christ, is a stronghold. There are small, small strongholds. So <laughs> Let me name some of them. Habit. And that is why God, what God is crying this morning for us to return to him. We should drop certain habits. They are strongholds. Fashion is a stronghold. If fashion enters your head, you will be just interested in looking after yourself and yourself and yourself you won't pray, you won't read the Bible. It's a stronghold. It has blocked you. Tradition. Religion. Doctrine. This is our doctrine. I won't agree what you are saying. That is a stronghold. Strange women are stronghold. And they're all over the street. If you go to them, they block you access to Christ. That is stronghold. Alcohol is a stronghold. They look nice, they look sweet for those that drink it. It's a stronghold. After drinking it, you'll be moving like a, a wind. Will you still read the Bible? Can you still pray? It's a stronghold. Powerful one. You know, women liberation is <laughs> another corner, corner stronghold. They are liberating women. Where are they liberating you to? Are you not comfortable? Did anybody pursue you out of your house? They liberate you. Are you in prison? Now lie. It's a stronghold. They want you to oppose your husband so that you'll be fighting every night. You won't pray. You won't read Bible. That is stronghold. You know, Child right has started. Don't beat a child. How will I not beat my child if he does bad things? That is stronghold. And the child will just grow and begin to misbehave. If he sees chocolate, he eats. If he sees bread, he eats. Anything he sees, he does. <laughs> child right. Woman right. Uh, youth right. Every of this right is stronghold. Stronghold. Let it not catch you in the name of Jesus Christ. In Acts of Apostles chapter 19 verse 24, there is an example of a stronghold there. A man named Demetrius, a silversmith, they made money. They made their money from Cardinal shrines for Diana of Ephesus. They make much gain. And they have a, society, a, a, a club of craftsmen. And one day this man, he called out all the craftsmen in Ephesus. And said, by this craft we have our wealth. By this poor, by his preaching, by his telling the truth, by his preaching, 
Much people have been persuaded to turn away from our craft. And they say that Diana and our craft are no God. And because of that, there was a turmoil against the gospel, against church, against Paul and the disciples. That was the first tumor that arose against them and they started killing and doing everything to stop the gospel from preaching. That is a stronghold. And this stronghold is operational in most towns in our nation and everywhere. At times you see some people, they will just rise up against the preaching of the gospel. In fact, that is even what they are doing now. They will say, don't preach in public. Don't pray in public. Don't, pray, don't preach in school again. The schools where they give us uh, opportunity to hold fellowships at times, in some of the fellowships we hold, they say, ah, it has been banned, no fellowship in this, in this place. It's stronghold. It's operating everywhere. But let's go back to the altar. The power of the altar. The altar is a powerhouse of life. And out of it comes damnation and revival. If you have the altar of God, there is revival. If you have the altar of Satan, you are damned. There are, three, there are different levels of altar. You can have a personal altar. I have one, it's in my bedroom. I wake up early and pray enough before I come out to the family altar and call the others. And we pray in the family altar. I'm just giving you the example, personal altar. That one can be in your bedroom. Then family altar, where you now gather the whole family and you pray. You must have it. Tell somebody you must have it. Tell somebody again, you must have it. That is what God is looking for. And there is a village altar. There is a town altar. There is a community altar. There is also a state altar and a national altar. The national altar is the, like the one we have the Christian center in Abuja. We, we go there every September 30th to pray for Nigeria. And this one here is a community altar where we gather as a community of this church and we pray. Now let's look at the effect of altars. How altars work. In Genesis chapter 8 verse 20, Noah built an altar unto God after the flood. And, and God responded. There was a rainbow. Rainbow appeared. And that rainbow appeared to say, God is now saying, I will no longer destroy the earth with flood. So, there is a power in altar and there is effect. In fact, I've not, anywhere read in the Bible, I've not seen anywhere there is an altar without a revival, without a, something happening. Something happens. Go and try it when you get home today. Begin to, you raise your personal altar, you raise your family altar, that of community and so on, through fellowships, that can be done. So rainbow came, and since then, God never spoiled the earth again with flood. There's another example. In Genesis chapter 12 verse 8, Abraham built an altar unto God and called him, and called the name of the Lord. Revival came on Abraham because he was from an idol family, an idol background. He didn't know God, but that altar he raised, revival came upon him. And Abraham had a great faith, mighty faith. In fact, the Bible said that the, the faith Abraham had after he raised an altar unto God accounted for him for righteousness. It was a dramatic thing. A turn around in one's life. That is what an author can do. Look at another example. In Genesis 28 verse 10. As Jacob ran from his brother Esau, he stumbled into the, the altar built by his grandfather Abraham in Bethel, 
in Eastern Bethel. And he was there in a dream, seeing a great ladder to heaven with the angel of God ascending and descending. <laughs> and when he woke up, he shouted, Lo, I'm in the house of God. And you know what Joseph, Jacob did? Jacob now rebuilt that altar. That's a great act. And I love it. Then revival came upon Jacob. Do you know from there, Jacob now traveled his journey in confidence that the Lord was with him. And Jacob had a successful journey despite all the hindrances he had. And he came back with 12 sons. Praise the Lord. That is what an author can do. He came back with wealth, with hearts, with a number of servants, maids and maidens. That is what an author can do. So brethren, author can speak. Author can transform. Author can revive. Author can increase the faith of family and change. In fact, what the transformer is to the electricity is what an author is to lives and to families. If you don't have an author in your house, it's like your house is operating electricity without a transformer. In Genesis 26 verse 24, something dramatic happened. And I think that's the last one I'm sharing concerning the effect and power of the altar. Something dramatic happened there. As he came to King Abimelech in Jira, during the famine, and God told him not to go to Egypt, that he should stay in that Jira despite the famine. He sowed in that land, he reaped a hundredfold. The Bible says he grew big. And he waxed very great. And the Philistines envied him. That envy brought some problem for Isaac. As he dug a well, they strove with him and closed it. He dug another one, they strove with him and closed it. He dug another one, they strove. And the, the situation was uncomfortable for Isaac. Isaac remembers something. The Bible says Isaac moved to another location and built an altar unto God. Praise the Lord. And as soon as he built that an altar, revival came. Something happened. And that is what I describe as something dramatic. They stopped striving with him over the well he dug there. He now dug another well. They did no longer strive with him. And in fact, King Abimelech came with his cabinet to make peace with Isaac. That was a dramatic thing. Simply because he builded an altar unto God and called the name of the Lord. All the striving ceased. All the unfriendliness ceased. Brethren, is this not dramatic? And I want to tell you this morning that as you go home and put up an altar or renew or repair or rebuild an altar unto God, dramatic thing will happen in your family. I said dramatic thing will happen about your life. That challenge you are having will disappear. God is waiting for you. And so, Going back to our text today, First King 18, 30 to 30, the Bible said, Elijah repaired the altar of God, which was dest- destroyed by Jezebel and the prophets of Baal and prophets of Groove. 850 of them. They destroyed the altar of God. Most of our homes and our towns, the altar of God have been destroyed. But God will begin to do something from today. The Bible said, at the evening sacrifice, <laughs> Elijah repaired the altar of God and made a sacrifice on it. And, and the fire fell. 
As you repair the altar in your house today, fire will fall. I say fire will fall. And everybody now shouted, He is God indeed. Revival came right there. And immediately that thing happened, immediately he repaired that altar and fire came. Four things happened. Number one, they killed the 850 prophets of Baal. So as the revival will come in your place today, your home today, every prophet of Baal in your house will die. They will perish. Every witch will perish. In the name of Jesus Christ. Number two, there was sound of abundance of rain. And rain began to fall. The three and a half years of famine and drought ceased. That was the second thing that happened. And so, brethren, altar can bring an abundance of rain over your business. It can bring abundance of rain over your family. And famine will cease. Lack will cease. God is waiting for us. God has so much for us. But we have neglected him. Number three. There was joy. <laughs> if you read that place, you see, there was joy. There was rejoicing. There was happiness. There was drinking. There was eating. Eating and drinking and joy will happen in your family in the name of Jesus. As we go back to God, revival we follow. Number four. The hand of God was upon Elijah. And the Bible says Elijah ran faster than Ahab that was riding on a chariot of horses and got to the gate of Jezreel. Brethren, as you set up an altar unto God, the hand of God will be mighty on you. You begin to run faster. You begin to do better. You begin to do great things. That is what God can do. Praise the Lord. And so, brethren, as we go back to God, we shall experience abundance of blessing. All famine and disease and pestilence we see in our family. We shall experience joy, happiness, and rejoicing. And above all, the hand of the Lord will be upon us. In Judges chapter 6, as I'm landing, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he was hiding in a wine press. <laughs> Many of us are hiding in, in, in our own kind of wine press. Hiding away from wizards, from witches, from herbalists, and even from Fulanehas men. Because we don't have altar. Altar of God is absent. But as soon as Gideon set up, made a sacrifice and set up an altar unto God, Revival came upon Gideon that was hiding. He became bold. He became fearless. He became strong. And he went ahead and also destroyed the altar of Baal in his father's house. And set up an altar of God. Then his ministry totally revived. And he began to lead Israel. He emerged. That is what an altar can do. Brethren, I'm telling you that as you go back and raise an altar of God, you will emerge in your family. You will imagine your business. You will imagine that your workplace. In the name of Jesus Christ. But I want to also tell you that revival cannot come on a wrong foundation. If foundation be bad, nothing can anybody do. Revival cannot come if you are not willing. If you are not ready to take step. If you are not ready to do something. So God is waiting for you. So that he will send down revival. What are we saying? Altars are the meeting point between you and your God. That is what we are saying. That is the summary of what we are saying. Setting up an altar unto God is a proven honor to God. It means you are honoring God. As soon as you decide to set up an altar unto God, and you are planning it, you are thinking you are honoring God. And God will look down from heaven. And begin to look at you. You become a special person. That is it. An altar is a place of God's power. 
A place to draw strength. A place to draw inspiration. An altar is the starting point for every revival. No revival can occur without an altar or unto the Lord. That is the starting point. And so finally, brethren, I told you some time ago, when I was standing here, that I coerced my family, my kindred men, that we shall have a prayer project for the family, for the homeowner, for certain things that are happening. And I think you can do it. I convinced them. I tell them, set up a committee. Let's find how to solve this problem. After all and all, majority say, let us pray. So, it is they that gave the consent. I, I threw it at them, and they gave the consent that it is better we pray. And so we all prayed. We all agreed. We declared a, a fasting. One week fasting, and we returned to the village. The whole morning, those out, and all of them came. And we had a three-day prayer program, night and day, teaching and praying. And we raised an altar unto God. But the oldest man that is carrying the offer, I don't know if your village has offer, carrying the offer of the homeowner or whatever they call it, and is the oldest person, and he and is in charge of the idols that used to exist in the in the village. And he's, he did not come. He said he won't come. And so he did not come. So we had this wonderful prayer program. And we left. Four days after that he died. He died with the offer. And the, all the members of the Umona became afraid and said, ah, ah, it's just like what they said in this First uh, King 18. Ah, he is God. Many of them began to go to church. All of them are going to church now. Whether you like it or not. Because they saw the power. That is what God can do. I've also shared in this place how three young people scattered a high profile demonic meeting. There was a meeting of the witches and wizards that was taking place in, in the bed of the Atlantic Ocean. That's where they hold their meeting. You know, spiritually, when you enter the ocean, you get to down it, there is a, a, a very mighty place for the witches and wizards there. That's where they hold meeting. And these three young believers were praying in a, in a night vigil. And in that night vigil, <laughs> do, you know, do you know their prayer? Every satanic or cultic meeting, wherever they are holding today, Scattered by fire in the name of Jesus. That is, they were holding night vigil, but at one o'clock, at one a.m., they entered into warfare. And they began to deal with all satanic gathering. And when they began to pray that prayer, smoke rose. They were only trio in one room, in one small altar, in one room. And the smoke rose from, from that altar. And traveled to Atlantic Ocean, entered the bed of the sea where they were having the meeting. The smoke entered there. And they, were began, they began to choke. And as they were choking, the meeting scattered. That is their prayer. They scatter every meeting, every satanic gathering, holding no matter where, scatter by fire. And that was their prayer. And that meeting scattered. They were choked. They scattered. They stumbled and left. But the leader of that, the chairman of that occult meeting, started tracing that smoke to where it came. And arrived at a point in Nairobi, Kenya, where the three young believers were doing that night vigil. And he was astounded, saying, is this this little, three little ants that are sending distant to us, and he now wanted to enter to kill them. The fire grew, and the man nearly died there. And he struggled out, and struggled back to Benin. You know, Benin is the headquarters of the witches and wizards. If you are from Edo here, don't be annoyed. 
or own those sorry. Because that is true. And so the man struggled back home. And in the morning, he became sick physically as a human being. Because it's their spirit that traveled. And he could not come out from that sick bed for six months. He was bedridden for six months. And by the, at the end of that six months, where he began to recover small, small. One evening, he decided to walk out. Because he live, he's a big man. He lived in GRA, Bini. And in that uh, GRA primary school, Idahosa was holding a crusade. And as he was passing, walking, trying to gain his strength, Idahosa was reading Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. And he was hearing it. And the Bible said, For by him all things were created, in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be dominion or thrones, or powers or principalities, all things were created by him and for him. And he is the head of all principalities. My goodness, this man stopped to say, who are they talking about like this? Is it not me they are talking about? So there is somebody <laughs> greater that even created. So he came, he stood near and had this message. And of course, that's the time God wanted to arrest him. So all the message entered into him. Complete. And when they made an attack on the man, the man struggled out and gave his life to Christ. Today he is a preacher of the gospel. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Brethren, the next expectation of the creature is waiting for the manifestation of you and me. The manifestation of we, the people of God. God is waiting for, for your manifestation. God is waiting for my manifestation. God is waiting to bring his glory over the land and over all of us. In the name of Jesus Christ. And so brethren, we are going to pray. We are going to call upon the name of the Lord concerning our time and our situation. There are two prayers I just want to pray and then I will step down. The first prayer is for those who have not given their life to Jesus. And for those whose altar, if the altar in your house is not functioning, this prayer is for you. If you have not purposely or deliberately erected an altar unto God in your house or in your office, or in your community, you are one of those God is calling. Come back to me. Come back to me. You need this altar. So that you'll be strengthened like Jacob. And he ran and returned with his back full. You are, God is calling. Dramatic thing that God is waiting to happen in your house has not happened because this altar is absent. And so, just bend down your head. Ask God to help you. You have not made peace with God. You have not put an altar unto God. You are still battling with habit of smoking and alcohol. And strange women. And you are still battling with doubt and lies. You are still unstable. This prayer is for you. And God will answer now. Because when the prophecies were coming up, I say, God is saying what I'm saying. What I prepared. The message has been preached. And you now have an opportunity. You have been called so much to return unto God this morning. And I want you please return unto God. Return unto God. Just ask God, I want to come back to you. I want to build an altar unto you. I want to have this revival. I want, to, I want you to be my God. 
I want to know you more. Let your hand rest upon me, Lord. That is the prayer. Pray that prayer. If you are among this group. Because the next group I pray is those that are already operating in altar, those that have given their life to Christ, their own is second prayer. But this one is for those that have not set up an altar unto God. They have not really done something concrete to honor God in their life or in their family. Pray this prayer. Ask God help you. God help me. God help me. God help me. And to conclude that prayer, I want you to put your right hand on your chest. If you are among this group, you want to, you want God to come into your life. You want to get strength to put an altar unto God. You want to return to God from your mistakes. All these mistakes we have wrote, written. All those strongholds, both small, small strongholds, if they are present in your life and in your family, put your right hand in your chest and you pray after me. You pray after me. My Father and my God. Pray. Just say that. My Father and my God. Thank you for the revelation of your word on altar. Today, I now know. I now understand what I must do. And I'm ready to do it even from today. Forgive my mistakes, Lord. Forgive my unbelief. Forgive my bad habits and my sins which I have done against you. Lord, help me Give me peace. Enlighten my spirit to do the right thing. So that your blessings and revival fire will come upon me and upon my family. Even from today. In the name of Jesus. And so those that pray that prayer and want to have a special communion and communication and altar and relationship with God in a special way. You just, I will not pray for you. I'm not calling you out here. But it's important because God is so interested in this thing. Just raise up your right hand. That very hand. Yes, thank God for that hand. Yes, Yes, thank God for that hand. Thank God for that hand. Thank God for that hand. And I will now pray for you. If you don't mind, stand on your feet. You are not coming out. Just stand where you are. The Lord is your God. The Lord is seeing you. The Lord knows you. And he knows your heart. And he will operate in a special way concerning you from today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that has gone forth. Upon which these ones have taken a decision to return to you. Lord God Almighty, I call upon you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Arise on behalf of these ones. Forgive them all their mistakes, all their lapses. All their sins. Any area, any place they have failed. Lord, forgive them. In the name of Jesus. Father, grant them an entry. Into your book of life. Grant them a new beginning. Renew revival fire. In their life and in their family. And bring to pass. Your mind concerning them. And their ministry. And their destiny. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody will now stand up. We just conclude the second prayer. Because it's a prayer of action. It's a prayer of the move of God and the power of God in our midst. 
and God is ready to do something for us. Just raise up your right hand, you pray after me. My Father and my God, thank you for your revelation of your word about the altar. Grant me the grace and power to repair my broken altar. To, bro to repair the broken altar in my house, in my life, in my office, and in my business. In the name of Jesus. Our Father and our God, we pray and ask that every false prophet in our land and in our family and in our life shall perish like the prophets of Baal in Mount Carmel in the name of Jesus. Let the abundant rain fall. Let the famine and pestilence cease in my life and in my family. In the name of Jesus. Let the revival fire fall. Let the revival fire blaze through our land, through my family, through our situation. That there be rejoicing. That there be joy. There be eating and drinking in our town and in our villages. In the name of Jesus. Lord God Almighty, let your hand be mighty upon me and upon every believer and upon the church to make us to run faster than the chariot of Ahab to enter the gate of Jezreel, to enter the gate that the Lord has appointed unto us. Oh Lord my God, help us, help me in the name of Jesus. Let them open your mouth and pray that prayer. The power of God is upon you. The glory of God is over you. Help from heaven has already come upon you. And the Lord our God is visiting you in a special way. So our Father and our God, we thank you for this great assembly of men and women that have had your word and revelation concerning the altar. Father, I pray that from now, O oh Lord, every man, every woman, we raise an altar unto you and begin to run. And Father, the revival that we have been waiting for, from henceforth, we blossom and your name be glorified. Thank you, our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. We are strangers and